Hello, I'm Eugene Chausovsky, a senior Eurasia analyst at Stratfor, and this podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Individual, team, and enterprise memberships are available at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. I wish I could redraw that whole time <laughs> in my life and say how confident I was and, you know, like when they called me. But I was I, at first I was like, how do I get out of this? It's like, this is too big for me. I can't yeah. handle it. Welcome to the Stratfall podcast, focused on geopolitics and world affairs from Stratfall.com. I'm your host, Ben Sheen. You may have noticed that the podcast of late has been focusing on true crime, espionage, and mysteries. That's because Chief Security Officer Fred Burton is doing the interviews, and these are the topics that he loves. In-house, we call these episodes of the Stratfall podcast, The Pen and Sword. On today's episode, the best-selling author, Mark Graney. While Mission Critical is a work of fiction, its subject is espionage at its most thrilling. I'll let Fred and Mark take it from here. Hi, I'm Fred Burton with Stratfor, and I'm here today with Mark Graney, who's written a wonderful thriller called Mission Critical, which is part of a Gray Man novel series. Mark, welcome to the Stratfor podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about the narrative surrounding the book uh, when it comes to the, the Gray Man series. This is uh, the eighth in the series so far, and it is a story of a former CIA paramilitary officer who uh, earlier in the series um, had been burned by the CIA and they were sort of out to get him. Um, That has been rectified uh, to some degree, and he has this kind of uneasy detente with the agency, and he's doing some contract work for him them in some books, and in other books he's he's basically kind of a freelance uh, assassin. And uh, he only takes jobs that he considers righteous, the right thing to do. He was doing that when he was on the run from the agency. And then once he kind of rectified situation with the uh, CIA, he kind of retained the right to sort of slip away from his contract job with them and, and do these things that he felt were the right thing to do. So it just, it, you know, kind of adds uh, layers to each book you can make a little bit different. When I started thinking about uh... – your gray man, which is uh, Court Gentry, uh, is he based on any specific person or how did you develop that character? He's not based on a specific person. I was in – physically he is. I was in El Salvador probably 12 years ago now. Um, I was down there uh, studying Spanish in, in Guatemala and I was just in a little bar in El Salvador and I saw this guy who just didn't fit in. He was he was an American and uh, he didn't look like the surfers and the the – hippies, <laughs> Americans that were down there. He looked a total right. different animal. And so I just sat there in the bar and never talked to him, but I just created this whole backstory for him and, you know, that he was former agency, but now he has to live off the net in the third world because of, uh, you know, they're after him and all this other stuff. And I literally started writing about him the next couple of days. I've, I have since, you know, being published, I've met a lot of people in the intelligence field. So I, I do sort of add to him, you know, character wise based on people as, as time has gone on. Well, he's certainly the kind of guy that most readers would love just based on his decision-making at times and 
you know, having been in the business for a while, uh, you really uh, feel for him too because he's out there on his own and he's a long way from headquarters. And of course, headquarters uh, loves to meddle, as we all know. <laughs> and I see that you had a career with the famous Tom Clancy. How did that develop? Tom and I had the same editor. So I had two books in the Gray Man series out, and I, the third one was in the can. I was also doing some ghost writing for uh, someone else. And so I was I was working full time as an author, but I got a call one day from my agent and said the editor called him and asked if I was interested in doing a Tom Clancy book. So I went to Baltimore and met Clancy, and then we did three before he passed away in 2013. And then pretty quickly after he died, his his family asked me if I would continue the Jack Ryan series. So I did four more before I stepped away from it. You know, it's it's tough to do those every year and um, they're, they're big stories and I, you know, had my own series. So after after seven in total, I felt like it was time to let somebody take a fresh look at it. I, I know from just being in the business uh, and Tom Clancy, when the book uh, Patriot Games came out and it centered on a State Department protective detail on uh, one of the British royals and uh, all of us that were involved in protection at the time, uh, we loved to read uh, Clancy. So tell me a good story about Tom. You know, when I went to Baltimore to meet him the first time, it was a completely intimidating experience. I, I wish I could redraw that whole time <laughs> in my life and say how confident I was and, you know, like when they called me. But I was I, at first I was like, how do I get out of this? It's like this is too big for me. I can't yeah. handle it. But then I was like, my agent would never speak to me again if I said, no, I'm not interested. So, so um, I was super anxious about meeting Tom. The first novel I ever bought in my entire life, or the first thriller I ever bought in my entire life was Patriot Games. So I'd read every Clancy book. My dad and I would give each other the Clancy book at Christmas as Christmas gifts every year. That was our thing. And I um, you know, went to meet him in Baltimore, super terrified. And I was, I was kind of warned that it would probably be you know, at most 45 minutes and – he could be a little bit gruff and all that sort of stuff. And I went in there and, and we talked for five hours. We had lunch together with his wife and, wow. and we had, had a really, really good time. He gave me some sort of small advice and some larger advice. And, uh, you know, we, 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 it, was, it was a very interesting conversation with him. And I, it was not lost on me that I was sitting there in Tom Clancy's office and we were talking <laughs> about Mirage <laughs> fighters, you know, and, and, and things like that. And I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening. But, um, yeah, it was a great experience. I would have been uh, scared to death sitting there talking mm -hmm. to a guy like him who is such a right. legendary figure in the business. And, and obviously, uh, you have been very successful not only with your work with Tom, but also with these Gray Man novels. And as you look at this series as it progresses, progresses uh, with eight done, uh, how difficult is it to keep uh, a series like that alive? I mean, is that tough to do? It is tough to do. Um, I always have plenty of macro ideas what the story will be about in the large picture. But the micro stuff gets tougher and tougher to do. You know, at, at some point in each book, there's going to be some sort of, you know, like guy following a guy down a street or something like that. And you want to come up with different ways to do that or keep that fresh. And I do a lot of research and, and I, I do things to keep creating, you know, making new things in my head to where I can use in books because you use up all your uh, all your great ideas in your first few books. And uh, my 18th book will come out in July. So um, you have to really go out there and get brand new fodder and, and do a lot of reading and, and a lot of talking to people. And um, that's what keeps the series alive. I, you know, I had these big plans that, that I want to do and I, you know, I could list 20 <laughs> books I want to write. Hmm. 
but how to do the nitty gritty in each one and make them different and unique from one another. And that's that gets tougher as time goes on. Well, I can say from firsthand experience in reading Mission Critical, you're the TikTok of the actual how a protective detail works and and the surveillance detection routes and just your tactical detail surrounding a, a protective detail is just so spot on. Uh, you know, I've been out of the actual practical game for a while, but then I was reading through and you've got the the weapons down pat and so forth. So is that a fun part of the job, doing that kind of research for you? Yeah, as you can imagine, that is the fun part of the job. That's probably why you asked the question. I do a lot of training with firearms, research mostly. I, I really don't even have any sources who are State Department security or, or um, FBI, HRT or anything like that. But I do a lot of sort of reading and research and talk to people who talk to people and, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I do training with the firearms. I meet a lot of people at the firearm schools. I, I say more than learning about the guns and how they work and, and their characteristics. I go to these firearm schools and stay in the team room or the bunkhouse or whatever. And it's the people that you meet there that's more important than anything else and the way that they talk and the way they interact and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's been a tremendous fodder. I was never in the military, uh, never worked in law enforcement or intelligence or government or anything like that. Uh, I was just a big fan of the genre. And so, you know, I, I go out and try and get real experience as much as possible and as, as many things as possible. Well, you've got that nail, just the dialogue between uh – the CIA ground branch personnel and and the former SEAL Team 6 uh, shooters and so forth is just uh, amazing to me uh, <laughs> and hilarious at times too, just the banter back and forth. But it's so real uh, when it comes down to it. So uh, my hat's off for you when it comes to that kind of uh, research. When you look Thank at – oh, my pleasure. When you look at uh, other authors, who do you like to read? Well, I, you know, as I said, I, I grew up on Clancy and then I immediately got into Frederick Forsyth, who is probably overall my favorite author. Um, Nelson DeMille, there's a, a British author named Gerald Seymour, Jean Le Carré. These are all, you know, from the last generation, although, you know, some of them are still putting out really good books. Right. Um, but, you know, currently uh, the Jason Matthews series, Red Sparrow. And, oh, and yeah, those, sure. I thought that was just fantastic. It was great writing. It was great storytelling. And it was, uh, you know, exciting. Um, I like uh, Brad Taylor. He's a friend of mine. I like, uh, gosh, Brad Thor. There's so many that Jack Carr, who I think you've had on before. Is, I have, uh, yeah. He's a new voice, but I, you know, I really liked his first book, and I'll be reading his second one for a blurb uh, very shortly. And so there's a lot of really good guys out there. I hate to leave people out, but and and women as well. Uh, K.J. Howe, um, whose whose book The Freedom Broker was just blew me away. So there's, I read a lot to write blurbs, and then I read a lot for research for my books, and just to go pick a book up and and read it for pleasure doesn't happen a whole lot, but I like it when it does. We'll get back to Fred's conversation with Mark Graney and Mission Critical in just one moment. But if you're interested in reading the Grey Man series, be sure to check out the links in our show notes. The lead character in the book has to chase down clues and travel across continents to solve a puzzle. Well, Stratfor Worldview Enterprise helps businesses put together the implications of the puzzle that is the global environment. Our analyst team tracks developments and forecasts the long-term implications for businesses and teams to find out what's truly important right now but also develop a more accurate view of the future. With detailed maps, charts, and graphs of the political, economic, or security landscape of the countries where you do business, you can also select notifications to alert your team when risk in a country elevates. And you can also get one-on-one -on -one access to world-class analysts. 
If you're not already a Stratfor member, you can learn more about individual, team, and enterprise subscriptions at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. Now, back to Mission Critical. You've rattled off some outstanding uh, authors, and uh, we've had a few on our podcast series, and I could not agree with you more. Uh, Lucare, I know growing up in the business, uh, the spy who came in from the cold was mm-hmm. you know, kind of the standard. And, and you know, the fascinating part when you read books like yours, Mission Critical, folks that are actually in the business also read those books. Yeah, I, I think that that has surprised me a lot, and it's it's a lot of fun to hear from these people. I, one of the Clancy books I did was called Full Force and Effect. I think it was the first one after Tom died, the first Jack Ryan book after Tom passed away, and there was a, a an assassination attempt of President Jack Ryan in Mexico City, and I actually heard from people on the Obama detail that were saying that, you know, they, they really liked it and really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I'm sure I got some technical aspects wrong, but they didn't call me out on it. You know, they, <laughs> I think they liked reading about it. And, and you know, they, I'm sure they all these people do a lot of sort of war gaming or, or thinking of worst case scenarios. So when they when they read about stuff like that, it's probably interesting to them to see how other people look at it. I remember uh, we had a famous uh, Frederick Forsyth quote uh, from the Day of the Jackal and all of our uh, protective detail rooms at, at one point in time. Uh, and it wasn't unusual to have those books and everybody's carry-on bags, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day before everything went digital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see the thriller writer business going, Mark? Uh, you've obviously been doing this for quite some time. Do you see it growing or what's your outlook on this uh, genre in general? You know, that's a tough question. I, I get asked that a lot and I really don't understand the business. (laughs) It's confusing to me. I, you know, my books have been, you know, growing, you know, selling more and more each one. So I'm obviously happy for that. This isn't a new thing, but you know, like the the editors like series. So, um, you know, most of the new authors that write a book and the book does well, they're going to want it to be a series. So I see that probably only growing more and more. It's a tough market. You can print anything now. You can publish a ham sandwich as a, as a thriller if you want to. So it's tougher to get out of the middle of the pack. I'm sure there's a lot of great authors who are more or less self-published, and um, it's probably tougher for them now. Um, it's gotten easier for me just because my, my name recognition has gotten gone up. I mean, it's harder to write the books, as I said. As you've written, <laughs> The more you write, the, the harder it is to not tread over the same ground. But but, um, you know, like once you, you reach a level where people sort of know the name a little bit, it, it does help you. But, you know, all I know is storytelling has been, you know, since before hieroglyphics, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's been a thing and it's always going to be a thing. And um, good stories are always going to do well. So, it, you know, I, I don't worry too much about the, the state of the industry. Mark, this is your eighth Gray Man novel. Where do you see it going next with the story? I just signed a three-book deal to do three more Gray Man novels. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm happy about that. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, Book nine is already, uh, you know, in the works right now. It's called One Minute Out, and it will be out next February, and I'll be doing a research trip to Bosnia and Croatia and Italy and Los Angeles. Those are the locations of that story. And, you know, it's fun in this job. I can sort of position my books in places that I want to go because I always do location research, almost always do location research for each book. So, um, you know, I've I've always wanted to go to Croatia and um, Bosnia was, you know, a very important 
place in recent history. So I wanted to go there and th- it involves human trafficking. The, the, the novel does. So it's kind of a route that uh, you know, humans are trafficked, unfortunately. So that's book nine. And then, you know, it, it's funny. I was, somebody was asking me where it goes from there. And I'm like, well, I've always wanted to go to Japan. I've been to China and Hong <laughs> Kong and stuff like that. So it's like, if I can generate a reason for the gray man to be in Japan, I'll probably do Tokyo. And, you know, so I do have that luxury. I, I did a book in Sweden just because I saw the girl with the dragon tattoo and I thought Stockholm was beautiful so i went there i went there in december in a blizzard and and it was one of my favorite research trips ever so uh it is a fun part of the job explain to me a little bit about the tiktok of how you do your work meaning when you're making you're putting together the book do you do you always write at home uh, do you always write in the morning or talk to me a little bit about your process the process changes as you get closer and closer to deadline, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so many authors will tell you like what an ideal day is like. And truthfully, um, you know, I'm early, early stages. I write less later stages. I write more and freak out more. But, um, I used to write all my books at Starbucks with headphones on listening to rain, um, you know, to kind of drown out the noise. I can't really write at Starbucks anymore. Just locally, just people know who I am and they want to sit and talk. And so I can't get as much work done. So I usually work at home. I almost always write in the morning. Uh, first thing I do when I wake up and I write as long as I can. And then I'll go to the gym or take my dogs to the park or something. In the afternoon, I'll do reading or research or, you know, just the business end of writing, which, you know, seems to take up more and more time. I say that now, but the book is due, you know, the beginning of July or something, my next book. And uh, so in June, my answer will be, you know, I write from dawn to dusk or I'll write late into the night um, because I'll probably, you know, slowly get behind. But once I get back from my research trip, I'll probably just be banging out words all day long. How did you get in this business, Mark? I mean, uh, did you just wake up one day and decide you want to be a writer? I mean, there's... yeah, it, it's a sad, it's a, it's a, it's a how not to do it story. I always tell people, um, I, I spent 15 years writing my first book. I had an idea for a book when I was in my twenties and, um, yeah, started in 1990, finished it in 05. And, um, and then it wasn't any good. It was, but I do think I like worked out a lot of kinks of like problems with writing, you know, spending 15 years on this book and I wrote my next book in seven months and I got that in front of an agent and um and he liked the writing but didn't think the story was very marketable so I wrote another book for him, just for him and um he liked the lead character but he didn't think the story was very marketable so I wrote another book about this lead character the gray man and that ended up being my first book and uh, so that agent the first really the first agent I ever met in person is is my agent to this day that's a story of perseverance there that's a <laughs> a hard uh, road to follow but uh, it certainly has paid off I realized I liked doing it and then I quit stressing so much about being successful at it. You know, it's like I, I liked having my head wrapped up in stories during the day and, you know, like, you know, crafting them and stuff like that. So once once I had that epiphany that's like, oh, you actually like to do this, you know, calm down a little bit about being successful and then, then good things started to happen. If someone wanted to get a copy of Mission Critical, where would you encourage them to look? Well, they can go anywhere. They could get it from Amazon, major bookstores, um, Costco, all that. Um, shouldn't be hard to find. It's not supposed to be hard to find. <laughs> I know your website. I took a. I've been looking at that for a few days now in preparation for the podcast. What is that? Thank you. It's Mark Graney Books. It's my name: G R E A N E Y. MarkGraneyBooks dot com. Yeah, I love uh, the research and the blog and uh, the backstory on some of your books that are there, and I think you've done a fabulous job with that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm going to add to it very shortly. Well, thank you for being with us today. And for our listeners, I would strongly encourage you to check out uh, Mark Graney's website and take a look at his uh, wonderful thriller called Mission Critical. 
which is a Gray Man novel. Thank you for being with us today, Mark. Thanks so much, Fred. Enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us for this conversation with Stratfor's Chief Security Officer, Fred Burton, and Mark Graney about Mission Critical, a Grey Man novel. We'll include links to Mission Critical with details in the show notes, along with a link to Fred Burton's latest bestseller, Beirut Rules, the murder of a CIA station chief and Hezbollah's war against America. If you're interested in learning about how Stratfor can help you with analytic tools to visualize and anticipate those areas in the world where your interests and operations are at greatest risk, be sure to visit stratfor.com to learn more about individual, team, and enterprise access at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. And if you have a question about this podcast or even an idea for the next one, please drop us an email at podcast at stratfor.com. And as always, if you have a moment, please leave a review on the podcast page on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen. We really appreciate your feedback. For more geopolitical intelligence, links, and fun facts about what goes into forecasting world events, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Stratfor. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.